0: What is your take on expectations? I said a word for my year this year, and you'll learn all about it in today's episode, but expectations were actually connected to it. And I thought I was being, I don't know, noble maybe. (laughs) I don't know, wise perhaps. But Art Costello, today's incredible guest, a wise sage who just totally wrecked my lens on expectations and that we don't live Any minute of any day without them, whether they're high or whether they're low, unmet or met expectations can actually affect our chemical makeup. Hence, manic depression, even anxiety or PTSD or trauma-based things that occur in our childhood. Y'all, this is a deep, deep conversation. He's an author, and you've got to get your hands on this book, The Art of Expectation. It's available on all platforms, of course, Kindle, audio, hardcover, paperback, all the things, and it's going to change your life. It's already going to change the life of my daughter because I'm about to apply this methodology ASAP. I hope you do the same, and I hope I hear from you, and Art does too. You guys, connect with us across social media. Tag us when you're listening to this show. I cannot tell you how important it is for you to connect, to go deeper than just the listening Let's be friends. Let's have conversation. Let's create legacy. If you will just take two minutes to review and then share this podcast, share your review with your community, it is such a blessing to the time we spent not only in this episode, but the years, 75 years to be exact for Mr. Art, to cultivate the opportunity to share And we just thank God for the deposits that have brought us to this place. And I thank God for the deposit of bringing you in this moment to be deposited with fresh seed. Let's bloom. Welcome to the Fit and Faith podcast. FIT is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly FIT. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress, and this podcast isn't like the cookie cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi, and so we do go there, unscripted. No matter how far, wide, deep, or high the there is, my desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents, and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. Okay, so I can't go any further without telling you about my new friends, Dan and Travis. Yeah, two dudes you've never even heard on the podcast before, but they have become fast friends to my social media Boom, literally, Social Boom. That is their company, and it has blown me away since day one. I'm telling you this as a friend. I'm telling you this as a coach. I'm telling you this as, you know, just somebody in the industry who wants to see you survive and thrive in the process. And so, Social Boom is my latest, probably industry secret towards growth on all things Instagram. You have a back end portal when you become a member, it's super inexpensive. I can barely believe the cost. It's less than $300 for the year. And then you can pay month to month if that makes you feel better. Uh, But honestly, it was too good to pass up. You have an access behind the scenes of being able to learn how they went from zero to 100,000 people in one year it is so applicable. It is fast. It is consistent. It is, I can't even speak to it enough. So you've got to go check out social boom. All the stuff in is in the show notes. And yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see you on the inside because I'm there all the time. And if you aren't, you're missing the party, the social boom party. All right, y'all have a good one. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to the 7 Podcast. I am so excited to be here with a young buck, all right? I say young buck. You're going to find out that exact age here in a minute, and you might be able to hear the wisdom just in the depth of his his voice and his soul, but Art Costello is someone that I might just have to ignore anyone and everyone who's listening to this because his bio has me so massively intrigued that I just want to truly sit and have a coffee with him because he is an attitude architect and a mindset expert, and a visionary, all of which are things I love. So I want to know all the things you have to teach us today, Art. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Tamara, thanks
1: for having me. I'm I'm thrilled to be here, and uh, I'm excited.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that you're still excited. He told me before we go live, I'm like, you've done this once or twice. He's like, ah, like 500 times. Plus, Mm -hmm. I had my own show. So I, I have to go back. Is your show still live? Can I still go find all of the wisdom?
1: You can go find it, but it's not live anymore.
0: Okay, so, okay.
1: But I think just to give you a tidbit, it may be coming back.
0: <laughs> Ooh, look at that. We're getting some first tidbits over here, some new information. I do not doubt that it's one of sage wisdom. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you have this book, right? And, and I'm sure that's probably the newest conversation for you um, when you're on all of these shows. It's called Mastering Your Expectations, Expectation Therapy. Uh, who can raise their hand to the need of that me? <laughs> he was already therapy he was already giving me therapy before we jumped on. art tell me like where did this start? How did you even get in the the coursework of passion and destiny and paralleling that to expectation?
1: You know God's journey for us is always intriguing, <laughs> and mine actually started at nine years old with this journey of expectation, even though I didn't realize what was happening. It was what God's plan was. And what had happened was is early part of my life was great. I mean, from birth to to nine years old, my family was middle-class. Everything was really great. Played baseball was my passion. Uh, Lived for it, died for it. Just (laughs) if you had a ball, I was ready to go. Anyway, uh, all of a sudden at nine years old, my mother decides to uproot us and move us to a very rural farm area where we had no neighbors within three or four miles. And in the course of all this, and to keep the story short, my parents separated uh, part out of necessity because there was nowhere for my dad to work. He wasn't a farmer. And my mom uh, went to work and My sister and I were left on the farm, pretty much alone. And uh, out of my loneliness, uh, because we were new to the area, we were considered outsiders. And you've got to remember, this is 1959. So a different era, different thing. School was not good for us because the teachers actually ridiculed us. The house that we moved into was a 170-year-old no plumbing, no, uh, water, oh, no indoor facilities. It was oh, an outhouse, outhouse. outhouse. The roof leaked. It was, it was atrocious. And my sister and I were basically left there, you know, to, to fend for ourselves. So out of the desperation of loneliness, abandonment and everything, I would go to this hilltop by the farm, and if you get my book, you'll see a picture of the hilltop and me sitting at the bottom of the hill with my dog. But anyway, I would walk up that hill many, many days and lay on my back and ask God what was going to become of me. And I was in such a deep, dark place that my heart was just totally opened. And I made this trip so many times, and all of a sudden, one day I heard a voice say, and I don't know if it was external or internal, but I'll tell you, as a nine-year-old, it scared the willies out of me. <laughs> but I heard this voice say, just your job to be good. Just mm-hmm. do good and become a doer. Just mm-hmm. just become. Hmm. I made that trip so many times and had that conversation with God over and over what was going to become of me. Finally, at seventeen, I figured out going in the United States Marine Corps was my was my escape from the farm.
2: Yeah, for but sure. you have
1: to remember, I was leaving my sister. Oh well. So I had a lot of stuff, and my mom would come and go, and my dad would come and go, and but we were still basically had to figure out life on our own, my sister and I. So anyway, I go. Uh, I go into the Marine Corps, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the Marine Corps bills. Discipline, yeah. shudder, shudder, <laughs> all of the things actually I was craving. Wow. Yeah, I sure. Everything was it. You know, and God led me there. Mm. And wow. God protected me through Vietnam. And God has protected me every day of my life since then. He has watched over me and blessed me in so many ways. And I will give you proof of it here in a little bit. Mm. But to move forward, many, many years through life. I got married. I had uh, three children of my own. Uh, great life. You know, just tried to do the best I always could. And then in 2003, uh, the rug was pulled out from under me when uh, my wife
2: of 35 years was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of buckled
1: down at my business. I put everything on hold and took care of her for three years. And she passed away in 2006. She left me with so many blessings in so many ways, such a beautiful person and and strong woman. Uh, But I had promised her that I wouldn't fall apart. And she had told our kids, watch dad. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. She knew me. Yes. And uh, in
1: 2006, September 23rd, uh, September 16th, uh, she passed away from ovarian cancer. I fell apart. I'm at my ranch, at, our ranch in Austin, Texas. And three years go by and I'm, I've started drinking things I had never done. You know, just started, um, just started doing stuff that was not good. I didn't ever get into drugs or anything like that. But alcohol, yeah. chased a few women, you know, trying to soothe my pain. And, uh, one night my daughter came out and she said, dad, you promised mom you weren't going to do this. And I said, you're right. And I went out onto the, the lawn of the ranch, laid on my back. I looked up into that sky and I said, God, what's going to become of me? And I heard, I've given you all the tools. You just have to use them. I got up off my back and I started writing and out of that writing came the book expectation therapy, which is a book about my healing myself and how you can heal you through God's grace and word and faith. It's different. It's, it, it, I didn't write the book. God wrote the book. It was all came out of my heart and his, he's in my heart. So he wrote it. And, uh, been a journey it's been a journey i mean it's it's uh but it's god's miracle it's how god works you know i wondered all these years what it was that he wanted of me and what he wanted me to do i mean he he brought me to vietnam could have taken my life many 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 times uh throughout the years at work and just traveling and on all the things i think about the times you know driving in a car when somebody pulls in front of you and you go, wow, another instant and I would have been gone. Well, his (laughs) his protection.
0: (laughs) And I just think, I mean, I had so many questions as you're sharing that from like your, your parents seemingly like not being present, having that element of rejection. And yet you went to the, the, you know, the pasture, the hillside and you laid down and you talked to God. So, that leads me to believe that there was some sort of like faith system developed in your home. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah, I was
1: raised Catholic. Okay. So our faith system was my yeah. parents would put me in the car, drop me off at the church on Sunday morning, two hours later after Sunday school and church, they would pick me up and that was it. My parents didn't go. Okay. Uh, I think, I think my faith Really began going up in that hill.
0: Yeah. My my faith,
1: my faith and belief system became so strong. You could not convince me that that it was not about Jesus Christ. You could not, you could not shake me on that a bit. I don't care who you were or what you said. I it love just, that.
0: And it's, it's interesting because my, my son is nine and, uh, he's recently been, you know, back in school for this year. And we've heard, you know, different people have different beliefs naturally. And some little ones who were just like, God's not real right and and we raise our kids in a in a way in a, a space to God is real and here's the proof here's the evidence let's talk about this how do you feel what do you talk to him about let's have our nightly prayers like i want him to understand the relational god that i know that i didn't always know through religion and so i i'm like curious about that like you know that you know that you know faith that journeyed with you that he was with you in all of these like wild predicaments. I mean, I can't even imagine the things that you've seen or experienced even just through Vietnam.
1: You know, going back to your, your son and how, how to convince him or how to, I don't want to say convince. It's not convincing. How to teach, how, how does he learn? Yeah. Well, he's going to learn by experience and watching you and the people around him. That's how he's going to learn. Because as you know, if you've witnessed to people, there's there's people that you can't witness to, who no no matter what you say about belief and bring up different scenarios. But you know what? One thing I learned in Vietnam, a lot of guys that didn't believe in God in Vietnam, you know what they said when, when it was time for them to go?
0: His name, probably.
1: Yeah, God help me. Yeah. God help me.
2: Hmm.
1: Wow, a lot, lot of people, yeah, that they, non-believers. That instant when you know, and you've gone through the experience, and you've gone through the traumatic things, and and you've seen it, and you've gone through it. Um, you know, it, it changes. It changes your perspective, and it changes your heart. It changes your mindset, and uh, that's that's the tremendous thing about. Looking at the events that come into our lives. See, one of the things I learned as a nine year old that was really great, I learned that God doesn't have things happen to us. God has things happen for us. And if you look at things from the perspective of everything in life is a learning experience and it's a journey and we're on this journey. And if we have this openness to everything that's going on, and and just have this open heart to people, to things, to ideas, to places, there's so so much that's involved in it, you know. But if we're open and we and we hear and we listen, we can learn so much about life and living. And it's just joy. It's just joy when you do it. I mean, it's for me. It's it's my passion. I love it. I I, I go to New York. And I, I get on the subway and I talk to people. I mean, I don't care who they are. I just talk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but people love that. And I think it's not something that's frequented anymore. Not New York. We know that New York is frequented. But that concept of just, just talking to whomever, whenever, however. And it catches people off guard which is really unfortunate, right? That like even just smiling at people, which is our demeanor, like my natural demeanor of joy, it's connected to that. I'll smile at people and they're like, they don't know if they're supposed to look at me, if they're supposed to smile back, if they should turn around. They look behind them like, who is she smiling at? You know, heaven forbid I wave, mm-hmm. then it's just over. They're like, ah, I don't know what to do with my hands. And so I want I want that to be norm. And what I think is so interesting is, is that God actually had you in many seasons of isolation, even connected to this rejection idea or abandonment, and yet you know the power of connection associated to that trauma, right? Like you went towards his divine nature, which which is connection, which is love, which is that gratitude, that symmetry, that community. Was there an evolution process to that, or it was just always like something inside of you that you knew you wanted to nurture at some point?
1: I think it was an evolution. I, I do. I, I've I've yeah. always I think I've always been since the Marine Corps gave me a great deal of confidence. <laughs> I, I bet. <laughs> I, and, I, and I found out that that uh I mattered, that uh I had value. because uh, up to the point to the Marine Corps, I was I was really depressed and kind of not knowing where and what was going on in life. You know, I lived in a my my I grew up in, I was raised in small town New Jersey and then when we moved to the farm it was in rural upstate New York between Rochester and uh, the Pennsylvania borderline so it you know, I mean 20 kids in my senior class, I mean that was it but you know I I, I had during school it was just tough for me and I think when you go through those things, I mean I was a tremendous baseball player and and I've Went on to prove it later. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah I had yeah. to prove it to myself, not to anyone else. But, you know, I, I really was good at baseball, and I couldn't make the baseball team because the coach didn't like me, didn't like our family, didn't like my circumstances. Teachers today, had they seen what my sister and I were going through, would be held responsible for not having us taken care of. Wow. But, you know, maybe not there, but in a, in a bigger school system. But I wanted to go back to something that what yeah. that I had referred to in, in speaking about, uh, putting the validation to, to what the difference, knowing that going up that hill made a difference. I have an older brother who's 10 years older. He didn't live at the farm, but he, he came to the farm and he was around and he, he didn't take care of my sister and I, but my sister was two years younger. Well, my sister internalized all of our youth events into causing physical harm, not harm, physical pain to herself, Mm -hmm. and ended up being a severe diabetic, had Mm -hmm. scleroderma, which is what the elephant man had, where your skin hardens, Mm -hmm. and tremendous, because she internalized everything and didn't let it out, didn't gain... Stayed pretty much in the Catholic faith and didn't believe in God and Jesus the way that I did. Though I love her and, and all that. She's passed on now from her illnesses. But she had all these physical ailments. She internalized it. My brother, on the other hand, all the trauma, because he actually went through it too, because he had his parents and, and just like they were my parents. Yeah, of course. Even though he was older. He turned to drugs, alcohol, women, everything else, and he died five or six years ago, my sister two years ago, Mm -hmm. but my brother externally, and you couldn't say to my brother, he had to one-up you. Um, If you said that you were a a millionaire, he was a billionaire. (laughs) I mean, he just was, he felt so inferior
0: right like just, his identity was so affirmed by exterior concepts rather than that that inner peace and it's so, i think it's so interesting to watch and i've got uh, two siblings as well so there was three of us i'm the middle child as well <laughs> and so interesting to to see how one you know tract of family scenarios can lead down so many different paths. And as you're sharing, I'm literally placing in my family members similar roles to how you all um, decided to operate in, in your own knowing, right? Or lack thereof when it comes to trauma or it comes to even just rearing. I mean, it doesn't have to be trauma, it could just be we were raised in the same home with different parents or the same parents or in this specific space. Um, but trauma, I think, is an element for every child, whether it was in the home or outside of the home, whether it was through teachers or bullying or whatnot, um, world you know, circumstances. I, my curiosity for you, and I know it's obviously that protection element that we talked about with, with God and with Jesus being in your heart the way that it is because you didn't do either, but you had to do both. There had to be the external element and expression. There also had to be the internal like release and processing in order for you to come into this, this union, which is essentially mind, body, spirit, or Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Like you're experiencing all of the Trinity, which I... Talk to a lot of people about like our wholeness is replicated. It was example to us in that way. And therefore we are a mind. We are a body. We are a soul. And we have to learn how to operate all of those entities healthily in order to, I honestly feel, live in the abundance and the prosperity of heaven on earth.
1: Do you know how we do that? Tell me more. I, this is my belief. And through my research, I think that God planted the seed of expectation in every single man, woman, and child from the from the beginning of time, from Adam and Eve, whenever you want to start. I don't, you know, if you're if you want to go back before even that. Yeah. You know, like some people want to. The seed of expectation has been planted in human in the human being to become what God intended man to be. I mean, Adam and Eve went against God, ate the apple. He didn't meet their expectations. I constantly ask, what is God's expectation of me? You know what I know what God's expectation of me is in every single one of us, I believe? To be good. Mm. Simple. God doesn't complicate things. He's got it down pat, man. He knows. Keep it simple and keep it good and everything will always work out to the plan. It just, it, it's
0: a natural flow. Well, and I think about there's this question that we, or three, a series of three questions that we always ask to our kiddos. Because as you're saying that, I'm processing through my own journey of um, that exterior element, kind of like your brother did, where like accolades and achievement and everything on the outside was what brought me what I thought my success was my identity. And it wasn't until I really had a face-to-face with Jesus that I was, you know, stripped of that. Um, But I'm thinking of the mother or father or even child who has been told that you have to be a good girl or a good boy. And it actually inhibits them from, I think, honestly expressing their fullness of emotion because they're generally saying it based on don't act that crazy or don't do that thing or come <laughs> over here and sit down next to me. And they don't get to express themselves in the entirety of how God would want them to or their emotion. So we <laughs> ask these. Yeah, yeah, go <laughs> ahead. Okay. You- I'm dying. I'm dying no, here. no, please. I see you're like jumping at the bit. Tell me.
2: In our expectations, when God planted this
1: seed, one of the things I learned at nine years old was that the expectations that people put on me did not matter. It did not matter what other people said, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent. It did not matter. What matters is that seed of expectation and how it affects your core beliefs. What your core belief system is. And people say, well, nine-year-olds, you're not going to know your core beliefs. Oh, yes, you do. You know already, whether right and wrong, you know what it is. Even... Even infants, when when they start to learn about expectations, think about an infant. We don't think about them with expectations, but why do they cry? Right, they well, have the she she expectation to be, tough, be tough. fed,
0: yeah, changed yeah. by diaper,
1: do those things. So how we learn about expectations is an infant and progress through with them. They grow the the expectations and their management become. Paramount it, it, because it's how we grow and become creative. We either come from a point of positive expectations or negative. I'm sure that you have run into people that have said, Oh, I can't do that. I can't do this. I, it's always the negative. I pick them out real quick. And I try to, that's the people that I love working with, with people who say no all the time to everything because they're limiting everything that God has planned for you. Everything that has been planned for you, you're saying no to. And how are you going to meet your, whatever success means? You know, people often ask me the question, what is success? And I said, success is living each day and being happy at the end of the day and being fulfilled and saying, I did something today that was good. It can be the most simplest thing is making your bed in the morning. It could be saving a hundred lives. It could be saving one life. As long as you keep on the positive track. And, and, and we all get the negative part of this. I mean, you can't help but at some point be negative. But that's why managing your expectations becomes so important because you learn how to get rid of those negatives real quick and get back into the positive and seeing what God has planned for us, what what he has. Because he has made us these great creatures. And we're all so unique and so loving and so kind when we learn and open and let ourselves be who we were meant to be.
0: Well I think about expectations as you're talking comparative to like comparison, right? And I have the the word. I, I set my word over my annual birthday year, not the calendar year. So I'm almost to the end of my year. And the word is release. And when someone was asking about this word, I was like, well, you know, it's it's not just like let go and let God. Like that's not the intention. It was really around this idea of expectation. So I really love that we're having this conversations because it was this idea that I need to not only release other people's expectations of me, which you just mentioned, and I was like, come on, preach with me. But the other one, what I was saying was to release my expectations personally and allow God's expectations to be revealed so that I don't, I don't strive anymore, that I am not also looking at a comparison of, oh, I'm 35 and I should have this so much in my 401k and this person has this house and this car and again, exterior driven. Or their satisfaction versus my satisfaction. So, grow your business for God's sake. No, really, I mean it. Grow your business for God's sake. That's right. Business is ministry and ministry is business. And it's time we take action in this belief and show up in our anointing with fresh fire. This is a cultivation conference. This is an activation conference. I want to see you reap the harvest, the promise that was predestined for you in your purpose and your calling. But you've got to go back to the root in order to do that. Come and let us water you so you can come fully alive and fully free every single day to make the impact you were born to make so others can also reap the legacy of your harvest forevermore. Let's do this. In Nashville, Tennessee, November 3rd through the 5th, you do not want to miss it. Get your tickets today at growforgod.com. That's right, and that's easy, growforgod.com. Can't wait to see you there. Hug your neck and grow together. My question associated to that, as I'm still on the finale of this experience and experiment, is how do you how do you look to expectation and also not get, you know, discontent or um if you're a visionary, right? My expectations are so high. I have all, like such huge expectations. And I know, I believe that God gifted me that sense of um vision ability, that sense of passion drive. But when they're not met and then kind of being like, oh, a bit deflated that it didn't happen as I anticipated it would.
2: Pretty simple. What did you learn?
0: Always a lot. Every time.
2: Oh, then, you, <laughs> then you did not fail. And God uh-huh. did not fail you. Because you
1: learned something. When, when you're learning something. There is no failure in learning. There is none. Right. You learned a lesson. You learned something that God. Wanted you to learn. Because he has something better down the road. That he is grooming you for. To happen, you're going to make a difference with what you learn in your past. I, you know, before we with our here. I told you I was seventy-five. Yeah, 70,
0: that's the wisdom guy, seventy-five. Say seventy-five
1: years. I didn't, get. I didn't learn this all at nine years old. Sure, sure. I mean, it has been a process over the years, and he didn't reveal himself, his plan for my life
2: until I was sixty-something. And then, you know, I, the difference is I didn't sit on it. You know, I always, i off here a second. I always tell people an expectation that you don't associate with an action becomes merely a thought in your head.
0: Mm, I love that.
1: I love it's that a lot. The, an expectation that sits in your head is nothing but a thought. And if you don't take action, then it, it, it goes nowhere. It has, ha- high expectations have to have action. Athletes are the great example of what you're what you're talking about. Athletes don't go from running a five-minute mile to a three-minute mile overnight. They have to do it in increments. They have to start with, I'm going to take it down to 4.55. I'm going to take it down to 4.25. I'm going to take it down... And they keep striving and performing and performing. The lineman, big old lineman, he gets down to three-point stance. How do I get my body on this guy? He's got, got to make change his expectations every single play because the guy across the line from him is changing his play. I work with a lot of athletes on how to, how to manage their expectations. They're great to work with because they already know how to manage. They just never applied it to their personal life. They've always applied it to their athletic life, and when they learn how to apply it to their, their own life, you know their personal lives, it changes them. They, they learn about themselves faster than you can imagine. It's great to see. And it's the same with, with anybody out here. We Plato and Aristotle wrote about expectations in33 BC. They realized. That expectations were this, they didn't say it as a seed that God planted, but they noticed that our expectations were a driving force
2: in our creativity and how we perceived the world. And that's, I mean, it is powerful, but over the years, and I I know people are gonna cringe at this
1: one: religion, governments advertisers have all learned to manipulate our, mani- our expectations so they can manage us because they want to control you. Mm. See, I, at nine years old, relinquished and submitted all control to my Heavenly Father. That's what I did on that hill. I submitted myself and I lived to his expectation of me, not what any other person said in this world. You could Call me a slum punk or whatever you wanted to call me. <laughs> I don't care what you call me, because I know he knows. I know he knows my heart. I know he knows me. I know he knows my actions. And I'm not perfect. I can be a wild man. I mean I've I've been in the entertainment industry. I've played baseball. I mean I I could be as wild as you could ever imagine, but I've always Never hurt anybody intentionally or even
2: unintentionally. I don't think. Maybe in Vietnam I did. Anyway, (laughs) you know, I just let God control. It doesn't
1: matter what anyone says to me. When I speak to high school kids, I try to convey this to them. It's getting harder because schools don't let you talk about God anymore. That's a no-no. So I hardly ever get to speak to kids in school, speak to kids in church sometimes. Yeah. You know? But this is the lesson. I always... The the big thing about me is I wish we could teach every child how to manage their expectations. Because if we can teach a child now how to manage their expectations, their life will... Their life will just change. It will just become... It becomes beautiful. It becomes what God intended it to be. And it's what they want. They become secure in themselves. I was very secure all through... High school and junior high, I had to be. I had to be tough-skinned, and I had to be well aware of who I was because I was bombarded a lot. And I withstood all that. Went into the Marine Corps, got bombarded by drill instructors. It didn't bother me because I knew God was in control. He wanted me to go through this to learn lessons. I just had to be open. A lot of everything is about being open and being with the right set of expectations and knowing how to manage them throughout your life.
0: Would you say that there's like a, a process of developing what those expectations are and like uh, where, I mean, you can obviously uh, extract from biblical story, you know, experiences that other people have had and how I could like create expectations associated to that outcome or if, you know, the fruits of the spirit are an element of desired outcome an action connected to that to, to have joy, I, I need to be joy and, and to have goodness and kindness and all of those things. I need to experience it and act that way. How do you how do you tell a teenager how to manage their expectations if they're they don't even have that emotional intuitiveness yet?
1: You know, I think that the way you do it is you know, we don't give teenagers and young people enough credit sometimes. Because I can remember as a young person yearning for somebody to to teach me something that was useful and good and would make a difference in my life, you know. I mean, because it was so rotten. But, you know, I think that, you know, there's a time and place for everything with everybody. And I think the timing has to be right. The environment has to be right. You have to catch them at the right moment. Uh, And uh, I think that life's experiences... But as long as you plant that seed, as long as you plant that seed, they will go back to that seed and make it grow. They really will. Uh, I teach uh, people to identify their three core expectations. And we start with that. And once you identify your three core expectations, they're non-negotiable. They're yours. They're no one else's. And you own them, and that is your responsibility. That is between you and your Heavenly Father. And those things, and I did it. I mean, at nine years old, I knew that I wanted to do right, which was my integrity. I wanted to be a communicator because I was so alone all the time. I had no one to really talk to. So communication is a core expectation of mine. And then responsibility. I mean, I just wanted to be responsible for me. Not for anyone else, but for me. You know, when I dated and when I was single and stuff,
2: you know, one of the core things that I looked for in a a young woman? Tell me. Independence and responsible for herself. Mm -hmm. Did not need me. Good. that She didn't need me. I mean,
1: wanted me, yeah. I'd love that. (laughs) (laughs) But need me? Nah. You know, I didn't want someone... Who had to cling to me. I didn't go for people like that. I liked a strong woman that stood up for herself. And, you know, I mean, I would come to her aid if she needed me. And I would never abandon her. I mean, that's just not my thing. But I wanted her to have this independence. And that's, that's what I But you with. It? <laughs> I got it.
0: What was it, 35, 38 years you guys were 30, together? 30, 35. 35 years.
2: I mean yeah, that's incredible. Years. Yeah, and incredible
1: now, now Beverly I've been married to for uh let's see I think we're going on 12,
0: 12 Oh wow. What a gift. I mean some people both, can't take both Yeah.
1: I've been blessed with two fine wonderful women. It's incredible.
0: I mean, it's incredible. And I think there's so many elements and areas of life to carry expectation around. And you have, you know, obviously the mindset piece is pa- is so powerful. I love that you had the experience physically, with baseball, with even war and, and being a marine to be able to parallel that. And then your spiritual piece was so early on that you just had this like compounding development for success and and then to blend in your actual experience, when you're talking with people, how often do you feel like either trauma, is connected to their expectations or lack thereof, or like that—that that piece of, of heartache or heartbreak. Do you feel like people are stuck in that, like that rudimentary belief system?
1: You know, I go to the VA center, uh, yeah, for my health care, and I see a lot of the PTS guys, yeah, you know, PTSD. PTSD, yeah, and uh, my heart goes out to them, and I often think about. You know, for a while, I thought maybe I had a little bit of survivor's guilt. But then then I really realized that I survived because God wanted me to survive.
2: Yeah.
1: And I think that what happens with trauma, you, <clears throat> and, and, and it's real. Trauma is real. There's no question about it. But you either look at, it, look at it from two perspectives, just like expectations, positive or negative. Mm-hmm. Either yeah. you become the victim or you become the victor. Either mm-hmm. way, it's a choice we make. And that's why managing your expectations becomes so powerful because when you start to make decisions, you do them from the the power side, not the victim side. You become, you become the controller, the power, power source. You become the electricity. You know, that's
0: that really, that part right there, that like really culminated everything that you've been sharing is that element of choice connected to expectation that it doesn't have to be this external force that it's actually a choice within and it really goes back to the positive and negative mindset right and and really the lens in which we look the perspective right and perspective and you're you're right kind on. of i felt like you just like built me a castle like you're like building the lego like bit <laughs> by bit and now I'm like oh my gosh I see it like the electricity element i think is powerful it's like Now the windmill can work because of all of these different elements that it's not just one or the other, it's all together. And I think when you're thinking through the book that just like literally came out of you after God released it through you, how important do you think storytelling is associated to kind of our management of expectations for other people?
2: Good question. Uh, I think I'm a natural
1: storyteller, and a lot of people are, so they have to develop that skill. But I think when you speak from the heart, the story comes. Mm-hmm. And I learned a long time ago in speaking to people you can make big blunders, but if it's from the heart, the blunders are okay. People mm-hmm. go, Oh, yeah, he's speaking from the heart. Instead mm-hmm. of the guy standing at the podium. You know, four score and 30 years ago, you know, and then, you know, you rattle off the speech. I've tried it. I'm terrible at giving speeches. I'm terrible. But storytelling, getting on stage and telling my story to people, that's, thats for me, it's powerful because it's my heart. It's my heart. I'm laying my heart out there for everybody. And that's thats the thing. But well, I want to go back to something you said that, that I love. When I talk to people about expectations, I talk to them about them building their castle. Would you build a castle by starting with a turret and then building down around it? No, you start with the foundation. You know what your foundation is? God planted the seed of expectation in you. That is the foundation for you to grow into the person that God wanted you to be. That is simple. You don't get any simple of that. If you can learn to manage those expectations because the bombardment from outside of God to your expectations is then taking control of you and what God created. And God did not plan that for us. God planted us to be these beautiful flowers that just bloom and we radiate radiate this energy and this light that travels throughout the universe. We make these ripples that last for legacies with some people for lifetimes and beyond i mean you think of all the goodness that has come out of people didn't come out of negative expectations it came out of positive expectations and that i god sits up there going please live to your expectations
2: oh, you know? it's I so mean, good
0: and to think about it connected to like a heavenly father who loves us so dearly, who wants the best for us, who created us to experience the best. If there's that management of expectations associated to that goodness, the outcome is going to be good. There is not a negative, And I love that you helped me even in that perspective mindset of like, you, you learned, right? You learned something even in that what would have been a defeat perhaps or a, oh, that wasn't what I expected it to be. I was actually, this is a super simple example, but we were leaving a, a water park this weekend with all of my family was in town. There was eight little grandbabies running around. We were doing a picnic outside of the park before we went back in. And I told my husband, I said, babe, can you check the bag really quick and see if my keys are inside of it? And he is like, Why? Everyone was already there. We knew 100% they were all already at the picnic. And I said, well, I want to know when I'm walking up if they've already opened my car and ransacked through all of the food or if my expectations of how I had prepared this meal and had this platter and all this stuff I wanted to present was going to be done my way or if it was going to be done their way. And he looked at me for a second. He was like, why don't you just see how it unfolds? And I was like, because I'm gonna go crazy. Can you just see if the keys are there? And he just kind of shook his head and he was like, the keys are not there. And I said, I took a deep breath and I said, Okay. And he said, What would happen if the keys were there? I would have said, I would have taken a deep breath and said, Okay. I'm like, either way, I was gonna have to go approach the table, but it was so beautiful the way that it unfolded, totally different than what I had, had originally expected or planned. But because I had this little premonition or this little desire to say, Let me recalibrate. Like this is the management of expectation process, right? Mm -hmm. Might be little, might be silly. My husband might've laughed at me. I might've self-checked and been like, that might've been a little ridiculous, but I got to walk up with such peace into the scenario, regardless of how they pulled out all of the food, rather than me thinking something else is going to transpire. And me had that moment of deflate in front of everyone, right? Where I'm like, oh, this is not prepared how I thought it was going to be. So I just want to give that quick example. Cause as you were talking, I'm like, man, there's massive ways to do this associated to dream building. Associated, I know you're also an entrepreneur, like business building, oh, but yeah. it's day by day. It's day. It's the little things of like, I expect there to be, you know, creamer in the fridge. And then I get down there and there's no creamer. And I'm like, gosh darn it. I needed creamer for my coffee. Right. And it's like, well. I needed to manage that expectation by checking the day before to see if it was going to be there. So I was prepared. I think preparedness connected to expectation is important.
2: You,
1: you'll love this one. I challenge people all the time. Yeah. Tell me one
2: thing, just one simple thing that you do that is not based on an expectation. Mm. I've had people say, breathe. Uh-uh. You just, just hold your nose and.
1: Clamp down. And what's the first words? I can't breathe. Right. That's the expectation.
2: Wow. I mean,
0: every... I'm thinking through like my <laughs> day. I'm like, yeah.
1: Everything. Think of, think of this. Every, this is one of my
2: kind of models that I go by, that I tell people. Everything starts and stops with an expectation. Hmm. Think about that. Hmm. Everything we do starts with an expectation or it stops with an expectation, because we say in our head, I can't, or I won't, I don't want, I don't care, I don't expect, I won't expect anything, you're cheating yourself out of an experience every time you do that, you're
1: cheating God out of the opportunity to teach you every time you do that. You know, you were talking about different things. I have people, women in particular, I've told my husband 15 million times, take out the garbage. (laughs) Right? I've learned not to expect him to do that. I said, oh, he's taught you well.
0: Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, well, that's good. It's really good. It's just, it's such a profound concept of that, especially considering. I've literally said this so many times this year about like the releasing of expectation element of myself and of others for God's will to manifest itself. But I loved the piece that expectation connected to action has to be connected to action for there to be, well, whether it's positive or negative, right? Cause mm-hmm. the lack of action then brings about manifests, if you want to use that word, manifest your not connectedness, manifest your lack of relationship or lack of whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really, it's really, you gave me a lot to ponder here, Mr. Art. (laughs) I like it. And I want other people to be pondering this because it's so connected to our output of joy, which is what he talked about at the beginning. And y'all know my passion for joyful entrepreneurship connected to just joyful experience. So it's theartofexpectation.com where you can learn more about Art and his amazing trainings, teachings, education, as well as get your hands on his book. Uh, I know it's going to bless you. And he's, of course, on all social media platforms, Expectation Therapy, Art of Expectation, or Art Costello. Art, I am so grateful to have you here today. Do you have any like final nuggets that we just have to extract from your wise brain before you go?
1: Just be your brain. If you're open and receptive to what God is telling you, you can't go wrong. There is no wrong. It's, it's, it's all about growth. Be open. That's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be these confident, self-assured bloomers that just go out and change, change the world for the better. Because when we start thinking that we can't, then we can't. I think Henry Ford said that. If you think you can't, you can't. You're right either
2: away.
0: Yeah. It's so good. It's so you know, good. And so. I have a desire to just go find a hill in my hillest beach town and lay in the grass with my dog. So I might just have to do that. I encourage you guys to do the same and just hear from the Lord. He's speaking to us every single minute of every single day. Um, and so I appreciate you, Art. Thank you again for your time and, and your talent and your investment to the faith community.
1: It's a blessing. I'm blessed to have you.
2: Great
0: to be a friend. Likewise. Thanks, guys. Hey, y'all. It's me again. Before you go, let's solidify the flame that was ignited within you today by sharing the spark with your own community. Whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually, I would love for you to take the step right now by declaring your takeaway. Snap a pic of the episode and share it on your stories or posts, and you can tag me and the guests, and we will surely feature you on our Instas. Hey, you may even unlock a new accountability buddy in me or them. We're totally in this together, and we appreciate the extra step taken. Thanks again for being a loyal listener, and I hope to meet you in person soon at one of the events that we are speaking at or hosting, and I say we because the Fit and Faith team could not do this without you. Until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. This is the Fit and Faith way.
1: This is Chris Christensen, and back in 2006, I started a simple project